0: Fulfilling God's promise for your life requires self-control and self-discipline. This message is the fifth in the series, Runway. The message is entitled, Seize Self-Control. Here is Pastor Dale Shields. Grab your Bibles, if you will, as we continue our series together entitled Runway. I want to talk to you this weekend about another attitude that will take your life to the new and and a higher level, and that's the attitude of self-control, the attitude that produces self-control in your daily living. If you want to improve your life, the best way to improve your life is to improve your attitudes. As your attitudes increase in a positive way, your life gets better. If your attitudes go south, your life goes south. And so if you and I want our life to be better, we focus on attitudes. And God is very concerned about our attitudes because He knows the impact of attitudes upon our living. And in fact, the Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 22 and 23, reminded us that one of the things that God wants to do in your life and my life is to help us to improve our attitudes. Listen to what He said. Talking to Christian believers, you and I today, He says, Throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, notice this, let the Spirit renew your… Thoughts and attitudes. Interesting that the Spirit of God is interested in how you think, and the Spirit of God is interested in the attitudes of your life. An attitude really is an expression of your thoughts. It's what you think about God. It's what you think about yourself. It's what you think about other people. It's what you think about the world around you, and how you think forms the conscious and subconscious attitudes that you live by. So your thinking produces your attitudes. And the Spirit of God is very interested in helping you and I improve our thinking and improving our attitudes. Now, to understand the kind of attitudes that we need, we need a list. We need some kind of direction. And all through the pages of the Bible, you will find that God gives us various lists of attitudes that you and I need to develop. One of those lists is found in 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 5 through 8, and that's the focus of our study together in this series, these verses, again, 2 Peter 1, verses 5 through 8, where the Apostle Peter lists eight attitudes that will take your life to a new level, that will help you to live a better life. Let me read for you. For this very reason, Peter writes, inspired by the Holy Spirit, for this very reason, make every effort, that is, put in your energy, focus your attention upon, make every effort to add to your faith, that's the first attitude, goodness, and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love. So those are the eight attitudes, starting with faith and ending with love, and then the others, sandwiched between. And then he says in verse number 8, very powerful verse and promise, for if you possess these qualities, these eight... Attitudes. if you possess these in increasing measure, that is they're continuing to grow and develop in your life, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Peter says if you want your life to be better, you want your life to improve in increasing measure, increase these attitudes, it creates productivity and usefulness in your life. Now today we want to focus on the attitude that's found in verse number 5 and 6, add to your faith faith goodness, to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control. The focus today is upon self-control or self-discipline. Self-control or self-discipline, another word for it would be simply self-governance. So you and I know how to rule ourselves. And the Bible is very uh, emphatic upon the importance of us learning how to be proper governors over ourselves, controlling ourselves and disciplining ourselves. I want to use today, as we go through five points in the next few moments, that will help us to grow this attitude of self-control, I'll be using the example of two Old Testament characters. One is a bad example. One is a good example. The bad example is a man by the name of Samson. The good example is a man by the name of Daniel. So today, we're going to focus on these two individuals, Samson and Daniel. Say their names with me. Samson Daniel. I want you to go home this afternoon and all you think about Samson and Daniel. I hope that you'll go tonight Tonight, and you'll dream about Samson and Daniel. That For the rest of the week, you'll we'll be talking about Samson and Daniel. Let me give you a bit of a frame of reference for these two. Who's Samson? Samson was a man that lived during the time of the judges in Israel. He was born supernaturally, that is in the sense that God allowed his his mother who could not bear children to bear a child, and he becomes this man, Samson, that he's endowed with great power because he has a vow that he takes before God called a Nazarite vow. And one of the parts of that vow was to not cut his hair. And so many people think that Samson was strong because he had long hair. No, Samson wasn't strong because he had a long hair. He was strong because he had a vow before God that was a Nazarite vow. And so he was called to set himself apart. And God said, if you will follow me, Samson, I will use you to deliver Israel from the hand of the Philistines, and I will, get, I will give you great victories. And so this is Samson. He was raised up by God for this purpose. And we'll talk more about that in a moment. That's Samson. Daniel, many years later, Daniel lived. Daniel lived during the time of what we know as the Babylonian captivity. That's the time when the southern kingdom of Judah had fallen into idolatry for lots of different lots of years, and they had not responded to the prophets who told them to repent, and so uh, God said, if you don't turn, I'm going to allow Babylon to come down and capture you and take you off as exiles, and they never repented, and so God allowed a king by the name of ba- Nebuch- Nebuchadnezzar to come down into Jerusalem, and the first invasion, He comes in and takes a group of young people away, and that group of young people included a young man, a young Jewish boy by the name of Daniel. The purpose of Nebuchadnezzar taking Daniel along with others up into Babylon is he wanted to train them and make them part of his administration, to make them aware of how to lead and guide in Babylon, and to actually enculturate them in the Babylonian culture, to begin the process of moving them into a place of leadership in the future. And that was one of the ways that King strategized to make these nations bound to the Babylonian culture. So you see Samson and Daniel, Daniel, and Samson. Now, those are our two focal points today. Given those two individuals, let me share with you five points that we'll learn about self-discipline, self-control from their lives. The first thing I want you to know if you're going to have self-discipline in your life is to understand that God has a purpose for your life. That God has a purpose for your life. As strange as it might seem, this really is the beginning point for understanding understanding self-discipline. I'll show you why this is important because if you don't understand that you have a purpose, you'll never discipline yourself toward a purpose. It's only when you have vision, it's only when you have a sense of purpose that you begin to have focus for your life and focus gives discipline. So the first thing to realize if you and I are going to be disciplined individuals is that there must be a sense that God has a purpose for my life, that I am actually valuable to God and I am vital to God's purposes. And I want to impart to you today a fresh awareness that you are not an accident you're not just an individual that sort of just exists on the planet. No, when God created you, He created you for a reason. He created you for a purpose. That's why you should never fight with God about who you are, okay? Now, you need to grow and develop as an individual, but God uniquely created you for a reason, for a purpose, and you are valuable to God, and you're vital to God's purposes. So I want you to say together with me, and I want you to say it like you really mean it. I am valuable to God. Say it together. I am valuable to God. Now, do you really believe that that you who God made you to be there's something that is of value and there's a treasure that God has placed in you and that you're vital to God's purposes and when you and I begin to realize that there's a purpose for my life there's a reason for me being here then that purpose allows me to have a sense of focus and that focus brings discipline to my life notice proverbs 29 verse 18 where there is no vision what happens to people they perish he that keepeth the law happy is he. I like the way the NIV says it, where there is no revelation, no understanding of God's purpose for their life. People cast off restraint. They don't have any discipline, but blessed is the one who heeds wisdom's instruction. So the first thing to understand is that God created you for a reason. There's a purpose. Now, when God brought Samson into the world, he had a purpose for Samson, did he not? That purpose was to free the Israelites from the hand of the Philistines. That was God's purpose purpose. He brought him on the planet to do that work. When God created Daniel, Daniel had a purpose. He was to represent God in a foreign nation in the midst of a Babylonian culture, but he was to stand firm and strong and proclaim God's message in the midst of a foreign environment, the Babylonian world. And so both of these individuals had a purpose. God created you for a purpose. And one day, listen closely, one day you and I will stand before God and we'll give an account as to whether we fulfilled our purpose. Romans 14, 11, and 12, listen to what it says. What the scriptures say, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bend to me and every tongue will confess and give praise to God. Yes, each of us will do what? We'll give a personal account to God. So as God has created you for a reason, for a purpose, one day you will stand before God and God will say, how did you do with that purpose that I created you for? Did you fulfill it? Did you fight with me in the process or did you fulfill the plan that I created for your life? Number two, the second thing we learn is that God provides us instructions, promises, and power so that we can fulfill His purpose. I know there are a lot of words to fill in there, so I'll give them to you again. God provides us with instructions and promises and power to fulfill his purposes. Now think with me for a moment. If God has a purpose for your life, now don't you think it would be logical for God to give you instructions in terms of how to fulfill that purpose, right? And to give you promises that go along with that purpose and then to also give you the power to do it, right? You would never give someone a responsibility without also giving them the authority or power to do what is necessary. And so when God says there's a purpose for your life, He promises to give you instructions and promises for your life and the power to actually fulfill it. He did this for Samson. He did it for Daniel. He gave them instructions. He gave them promises, he gave them power. Let's look at Samson for a moment. Let's take a look at how he came into the world and how God brought him in with this purpose and gave him some instructions whereby to live that would empower him. Notice Judges 13, 2 through 5. A certain man of Zorah named Manoah from the clan of the Danites had a wife who was childless and able to give birth. The angel of the Lord appeared to her and said, you're barren and childless, but you're going to become pregnant and give birth to a son. Now see to it that you drink no wine or other fermented drink and that you not, do not eat anything unclean, you will become pregnant and have a son whose head is to never be touched by a razor because the boy is to be a Nazarite dedicated to God from the womb. He will take the lead in delivering Israel from the hand of the Philistines. So God, when He brought Samson into the world, He said, here's some instructions for this boy. He's to be a Nazarite. And here's a promise, I promise you, that he's going to be used by God to to drive the Philistines out of Israel. And and in that promise was also the implication of the power that Samson had to do this. So he had everything necessary to fulfill the purpose of his life. I want you to know today that if God has a purpose for you, and He does, He also has given you everything you need to fulfill that purpose. Instructions and promises and power. Daniel is the same. Daniel had these instructions and this sense of promise about his life that he carried with him into Babylon. Notice Daniel chapter 1, verses 8 through 15, as Daniel ends up in Babylon. I want you to see what was already in this young man when he showed up there. But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine, and he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself in this way. So you see, he already has these convictions inside of him. He knows what's right. He knows what's wrong. And so the king was trying to get him to eat food that he knew that he knows is contrary to what he should have eaten. And so he's got this conviction in him. Now, God had caused the official to show favor and compassion to Daniel, but the official told Daniel, I'm afraid of my lord, the king, who has assigned your food and drink. Why should he see you looking worse than the other young men your age? The king would then have my head because of you. And so, the guy that Daniel is appealing to says, you know what, I'd like to be able to let you avoid eating what the king is telling you to eat, because I know it violates your commitment to God. However, I'm kind of concerned if you don't do this, you're going to look really poorly over the next several days, and the king's going to be on, on my head, related to that. Verse 11... Daniel then said to the guard whom the chief official had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Please test your servants for ten days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food and treat your servants in accordance with what you see. So he agreed to this and tested them for ten days. Notice verse 15. At the end of ten days, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal food. So here is Daniel. He goes goes into Babylon, he has the instructions of God in him, he has a sense of purpose for his life, has the promises of God, and he knows that God is going to show up in power. He's carrying this inside of him. So remember today that in your life God is never going to ask you to do something. He will never give you a purpose in your life that he will not also with that purpose provide you all the instructions that you need in the word of God, all the promises that you need from the word of God, and all the power that you need by the Holy Spirit, to fulfill it. Anybody say amen to that this morning? Amen, okay? Aren't you glad for that? Here's the third thing. Who are we talking about today? Samson Ann? Daniel Ann? Thirdly, fulfilling God's purpose for your life requires self-control and self-discipline. Write those words down, self-control and self-discipline, and if you'll look this way, if you don't mind, I'll show you what I'm, where I'm going with this. God has a purpose for your life. I am valuable to God. I am vital to something. God has a reason for my being. Amen? That's true for you. With this purpose, God has given me instructions and promises and power to do whatever He's asking me to do. Right? But now we move to this third thing, I have to bring something to this equation. Even though there are the instructions and the promises and the power, I have to provide something that only I can provide. That's called self-control and self-discipline, okay? If I don't bring this to the table, I'm going to miss the purpose that God has. There's a lot of people that everybody, God has a purpose for your life, but not everybody fulfills God's purpose for their life. Are you with me? Okay. God has a purpose for every person's life, but not every person fulfills their purpose because not every person brings the self-control and the self-discipline into the equation so that the purpose can be fulfilled. And that's why, dear ones, that's why self-control and self-discipline, self-governance is so vital in your life. That's why God says it's an attitude that will take your life to the next level because there are many people who waste their life because they don't. Control their life. They don't control their urges. They don't discipline themselves. And because they don't do that, they miss the divine purpose God has for them. So self control and self discipline is vital. Let me read you a few verses that help us to understand this. Proverbs 25, verse 28. Like a city whose walls are broken through is a person who lacks what? Self control. Listen to 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27. Don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize? So run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose. Notice that word in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing. I... Discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. For Timothy four verse eight, physical training is good, but training for godliness or discipline for godliness is much better, promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. Second Timothy one seven, we love this verse. Read it with me. Let's read aloud and loudly across our campuses. Here we go. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. You hear that? Okay. The Bible says, you know, we love that part of the verse It says God has not given us a spirit of fear. We claim that. We love it. We appreciate it. God hasn't given us a spirit of fear or timidity, but we have to add the latter part of that verse there as well, but He's also given us the spirit of power, love, and self-discipline. Think about that for a moment. That God says, I've given you the capacity to live in a disciplined life. Now, what is self-discipline? I'm going to give you two phrases that will help you understand what self-discipline is. Very simply stated, self-control or self-discipline is your internal engine and it's your internal braking system. Write those two things down. It's your internal engine and it's your internal braking system. That's all self-control is. Self-control is the engine inside of you that engages you to do what you ought to do that will allow you to fulfill the purpose God has for your life. It's what gets you moving. You know, there are a lot of great people in the world that could do a lot of great things. They just don't have an engine inside of them. I mean, you're always trying to motivate them. You're always trying to get them going. And so you need an engine that you start yourself, okay? Not an engine that somebody else has to start, but an engine that you start yourself. You know that nobody else can read your Bible for you. Amen, okay? Nobody else can read your Bible for you, okay? Other people can pray for you, but no one can do your praying for you. Let me say that again. Other people can pray for you, but no one can do your praying for you. There are certain prayers that only you can pray that will have the effect that needs to have in your life and the lives of people around you. So, yes, other people can pray for you, but don't depend upon mama and daddy and grandma and granddaddy to carry you through in their prayers. You need to learn how to pray yourself. Amen? Okay. You need to learn how to get a hold of God yourself because you've got to have this, this engine in your life that says, I'm going to go for it. I'm going to do what I need to do. I'm going to engage in the things I need to gauge, engage in. But also, you need a braking system. You would never buy a car. You would never go to a car dealership and say, I, I want a car, but I, only, I, I want one that only has an engine. I don't want any brakes. No. Nor would you ask for brakes without an engine. You get an engine, but you realize there are times I'm going to need to stop, okay? There are times I need to apply some brakes to the urges of my life, that my life will be running in one direction. I need to say, whoa, I need to put the brakes on because that's not a good way to go. And so self-control is simply getting the engine of your life going by doing the things you ought to do and putting the brakes on the things that you shouldn't do, okay? Now, this is the situation with Samson and... Daniel, Okay? Let's take a look at their lives just for a moment because it's exactly what happened for them. Samson had a problem with his braking system. He didn't know how to put the brakes on. Okay? And because he didn't know how to put the brakes on, he didn't have the self-control with the brakes, he ends up messing his life up. He ends up affecting his purpose. Let me take you to... Judges chapter 16, verses 4 through 6. Listen to what happens. So Daniel, Samson, I should say, had gone through some times of delivering Israel from some of the Philistines and some great things had happened, but of course now he, one of his weaknesses was women. He was always finding himself in a relationship somewhere, and so this is one of those situations. Uh, the time we get to Judges 16, what had happened here sometime later, Samson fell in love with a woman named? Oh, you know that name, right? Who lived in the valley of Sorek, the rulers of the Philistines went to her and said, here's the deal, entice Samson, notice entice Samson, draw him in, take his brakes away from him, drain the brake fluid out of his system." entice Samson to tell you what makes him so strong and how he can be overpowered and tied up securely, then each of us will give you 1,100 pieces of silver. In other words, Delilah, find out where his weakness is. He seems to be, have all this strength and we can't figure out what makes him so strong. So you, we want you to, 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 to find out what's going on with this guy. So Delilah said to Samson, please tell me what makes you so strong and what it would take to tie you up securely. So she begins to ask him, and let's continue now in verse number 15 of this same story. Then Delilah pouted. He he, 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 he kind of fooled her a couple of times. Then Delilah pouted, how can you tell me I love you when you don't share your secrets with me? You've made fun of me three times now, and you still haven't told me what makes you so strong. She tormented him with her nagging day after day until he was sick to death of it. Don't you love the Bible? Yeah, But notice this, finally Samson did what? Everybody say bad boy, okay? Yeah. All right. Finally Samson shared his secret with her, my hair has never been cut, he confessed, for I was, de- it wasn't about his hair, notice the next thing, for I was dedicated to God as a Nazarite from birth. If my head were shaved, my strength would leave me and I would become as weak as anyone else. Are you seeing that he should have kept the brakes on, right? And he's losing self-control here. Delilah realized that he had finally told her the truth. So she sent for the Philistine rulers. Come back one more time, she said, for he has finally told me a secret. So the Philistine rulers returned with the money in their hands. Delilah lulled Samson to sleep with his head in her lap. Everybody say bad boy, okay? Bad boy, okay? And then she called in a man to shave off the seven locks of his hair. In this way, she began to bring him down, and his strength left him. Then she cried out, Samson, the Philistines have come to capture you. When he woke up, he thought, I will do as before and shake myself free. But he didn't realize that the Lord had left him. So the Philistines captured him and gouged out his eyes. They took him to Gaza, where he was bound. This is a sad picture here, where he was bound with bronze chains and forced to grind grain in the prison. Are you seeing a man now that because he didn't have any brakes, when he needed to put the brakes on, he's now missing his purpose? The other side of the story is Daniel. We talked about it a few moments ago. What was Daniel when it came to the time of testing? He had self-control, did he not? When the king's servant said, okay, you're going to have to eat everything the king wants you to eat because this is the diet of the king, and it's all Babylonian food that has been sacrificed to idols, and it's contrary to the Jewish way of eating, but you need to do it anyway. And Daniel made his appeal. He put the brakes on, did he not? He said, you know, I'm asking you to give me the permission not to eat this way. And the the guy says, well, I'm concerned if you don't eat this way, you're going to look unhealthy. Daniel said, just put us to the test. I believe my God is going to come through for me, and indeed... Indeed, he did. In fact, the latter part of, uh, of chapter, let me read you a portion here, chapter uh, 1, verse number 17, God gave these four men an unusual aptitude for understanding every aspect of literature and wisdom, and God gave Samuel the special ability to interpret the meaning of visions and dreams. So at the end of the story, what happens is because Daniel knew how to put the brakes on, he was given more because Samson did not know how to apply the brakes. He lost what he had. You want more in life. You learn how to put the brakes on to use the right engine. When you fail to do that, what happens is your life becomes more limited. Number four, the fourth thing. An unusual point for number four, and I'll explain it to you in a moment. You might not understand it when I first give it to you, but I want you to think with me about it. Strong self-control actually comes by admitting your weakness. Strong self-control actually comes by admitting your weakness. Samson was a strong man that became weak, correct? Why did Samson as a strong man become weak? Because he lost his dependency upon God. See, again, it was never about Samson's hair, was it? It was about a vow that he'd taken before God. It had nothing to do with his hair. The hair was a, as an expression of the vow, but the vow was more important than the hair. Okay? The issue was he broke the Nazarite vow, which included the shaving of his head. And so the issue for Samson was Samson's strength never came from his hair. Samson's strength always came from God. Are you hearing me? Samson's strength didn't come from his hair. Your hair will not make you strong. Grow it to your toenails. It's not going to make you strong, okay? Only if God gives you capacity to do what you need to do and you're fulfilling a commitment to Him will the strength be there. And so Samson's problem was he did not depend upon God. He was depending upon himself. And so the strong man became weak instead of the weak man becoming strong, okay? Are you hearing me today? Daniel was a different story because Daniel understood how much he needed God. He understood his relationship with God. Let me give you a quick example of this in Daniel chapter 6 because we see a a snapshot into Daniel's life and how he lived his life. This is a time when he was being threatened to be thrown into the lion's den uh, if he prayed. But notice what happens in verse number 10. But when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home and knelt down as usual in the upstairs room with its windows open toward Jerusalem. He prayed. Three times a day, just as he had always done, giving thanks to his God. Any day you would have shown up in Daniel's life three times a day, what would you have seen Daniel doing? Praying to God, leaning on God, drawing close to God, finding strength from God. So what enabled Daniel to make it and survive and thrive in the Babylonian culture was not Daniel's self-control, it was his dependence upon God that enabled him to have self-control. The thing that ruined Samson was he didn't stay dependent upon God. So I'll tell you something, if you want to be strong, understand how weak you really are, okay? Once you understand how weak you are, it begins to allow you to draw into God who can give you the strength that is necessary because real self-control really doesn't come from yourself. Real self-control comes from God's work inside of you. Listen to 1 Corinthians 10, verse 12. If you think you're standing strong, be careful not to do what? Fall. 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9, as Paul is facing some challenges in his life, he was praying for these challenges to be relieved. And the Bible says that each time he, he said, this is God's response back to him, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. Galatians 5, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and Self-control. How does self-control happen in your life? It is not by what you bring to the table. You bring you to the table, but you, as you come, you depend upon God. And God says, in your weakness, I will make you strong. There's not a single one of us here today that we have the capacity or strength necessary to fulfill God's purpose. But we bring our self-control to God and say, God, I'm leaning into you. That's all I can do. I can lean into you. And as I do that, my weakness is transformed into strength is the last point I want to share with you. This is the point of hope for many of us today. And a point I believe will be a significant turning point for many of you here today. I love this part of the story and this part of today's message. Past failures of self-control can be transformed into present victories. I would imagine that as many of us are here today, probably all of us at some level, we can look at our lives So you know... I know God has a purpose for my life, but man, my self-control has not been what it's needed to be many times. And I've missed the mark in being the person that's found my strength in God, and so because of not knowing how to have the right engine or having the right braking system, I've made some mistakes in my life. Anybody say amen? Just shake your head. I've made some mistakes in my life, okay? And so I'm kind of worried right now because I've already made some mistakes. You know what? Maybe there's not any hope for me to fulfill my purpose. But I want you to know, listen closely, I want you to know, if you're still breathing, you can still fulfill your purpose, okay? Amen? I love our God because He's the God of the second chance, amen? He's the God that helps you get started again when you've blown it, when you've messed up, when you haven't been everything that you want to be. God doesn't just throw you away and say, I'm done with you. But God says, you know what, let's let's start this thing over again. And I want you to know that today can be your start over day, okay? Today can be your start over day. Samson is the example of this. Daniel finishes his life with great glory and victory and power. He serves God's purpose over several administrations in Babylon and Persia. He does a great thing. But Samson, he's kind of a different story. The last time we saw Samson, remember, a moment ago, the Philistines had gouged his eyes out and taken him down to Gaza And he's grinding out grain like an animal. Think about that. Sad because he didn't have a breaking system. But let's pick up the story now as it wraps up in Samson's life in Judges chapter 16 beginning in verse 21. So the Philistines captured him and gouged out his eyes and took him to Gaza where he was bound with bronze chains and forced to grind grain in the prison. We talked about that. But before long, I want you to notice this phrase right here. What does it say? What does it say? Church, his hair began... To grow back. Over a period of time, it's more than just his hair beginning to grow back. His heart's beginning to get right with God again. Amen? Okay? His heart's getting right with God again. And some fuzz started showing up on the top of his head. Okay? Amen? Okay? Turn to your neighbor and say, I see your hair growing. Go and tell him, I see your hair growing, aren't you? Okay, For some of you, that takes a real miracle even to say that to that person, right? Okay? All right, sir. So. But before long, his hair began to grow back. The Philistine rulers held a great festival, offering sacrifices and praising their God, Dagon. They said, our God has given us victory over our enemy, Samson. When the people saw this, they praised their God, saying, our God has delivered our enemy to us. The one who killed so many of us is now in our power. So they're celebrating they've got Samson in their midst. But what they don't realize is that Samson's getting some hair back. Half drunk by now, the people demanded, bring out Samson so he can amuse us. So he was brought from the prison to amuse them. And they had him stand between the pillars supporting the room. Samson said to the young servant who was leading him by the hand, place my hands against the pillars that hold up the temple. I want to rest against them. And so there are two main pillars in the temple. He says, hey, young man, would you just make sure my hands are resting on the two main pillars? I'd like to rest my, myself against them. So you've got all these Philistines, they're having this big party, they're making fun of Samson. Now the temple, verse number 27, now the temple was completely filled with people. All the Philistine rulers were there, and there were about 3,000 men and women on the roof who were watching as Samson amused them. Then Samson, what did he do? Pray. Finally, okay? He's getting it right. He should have prayed back when he was with Delilah, okay? Amen, Okay. That was the time that prayer would have been very effective in that moment, but but he missed it in that moment, but even though he missed it in that moment, he's now taking advantage of another moment. Maybe you missed it in some moment in your life. Don't you miss this moment, okay? Okay. Maybe you missed it a year ago. Maybe you missed it five years ago. Maybe you missed it 25 years ago. Don't you miss this moment because what you need to do is now you need to pray to the Lord. This is your moment. So Samson prayed to the Lord. Sovereign Lord, remember me again. I love that phrase. Again, you remembered me at some time in my past but Lord that was so far back there but Lord would you once again remember me now again. Oh God please strengthen me just one more time with one blow. Let me pay back the Philistines with the laws for the loss of my two eyes. Then Samson put his hands on the two center pillars that held up the temple, pushing against them with both hands. He prayed. Second time in the same day, he prays. We've got a revival going on, all right? All right? He prayed, let me die with the Philistines, and the temple crashed down on the Philistine rulers and all the people, so he killed. Notice this, he killed more people when he died than he did during his entire lifetime. Samson goes out, and he fulfills his purpose, okay? You might say, yeah, but he died. Yeah, but he died fulfilling the purpose. He didn't end his life missing it, okay? He didn't end his life missing it. And I want you to know today that you serve such a great God. You and I serve such a great God that even though maybe you missed your purpose last year or five years ago or 25 years, years ago or 30 years ago, it doesn't matter what your age is today. Let me tell you something. God can take you right where you are today. And today you can say, God, would you hear me again? And God can allow that hair to grow back again and the strength to begin to happen in your life. And you can end your life. Fulfilling the purpose that God has for you. Don't you ever think that past failures of self-control is going to determine what your future is going to be. No. Today can be your future turnaround day. Amen? So good to remember that. Okay. Conclude with this. For some of you, the devil's been telling you for a long time now, it's over for you. He's been telling you that you can't make it. You've already messed up too much. Never going to get the best for your life. But I'm here to tell you today, the devil is a liar, okay? The devil is a liar. God is true. He'll always be true. And God is the God who's able to step in. You know, Jonah, remember his story? I'm about to preach another message if you don't understand. I'm about to go. I told you it was only be Daniel and Samson. Now I got Jonah in the mix, okay? Remember Jonah when he was swallowed up in a whale, okay? Because he ran away from God. And the Bible says that God came to Jonah a second time. And he gave him that opportunity to go to Nineveh. For some of you today, God's coming to you today a second time. He's coming to you again today. He's saying, this is your day. Don't miss your opportunity. This is the day that God can reestablish his purpose. The attitude that will take your life to the next level is the attitude of self-control. Amen? Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for your word today. We're grateful that you've spoken to us. We thank you that you're the God that helps us to experience new beginnings. And Lord, I want to pray especially for those today that have felt like they've missed it, that felt like that they've kind of lost it. Maybe they've made some big mistakes in their life, but they feel like they're never going to find your purpose again. Lord, I pray that that lie of the enemy would be extricated from them today, driven out in the name of Jesus. Let it be replaced with truth, the awareness that, Lord, you're the God that gives us a fresh beginning. And I pray this morning that we would begin to develop that attitude, that orientation of life of self-control. Teach us how to use our engine, to use our braking system, not in our own strength or power, but by learning to depend upon you. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. I would like to close today by giving you an opportunity to ask Jesus to be the Lord of your life. Would you pray with me right now? Right where you are, just simply bow your head with me and I'm going to give you a prayer to pray and You can simply speak this prayer out, whisper this prayer out, and from the sincerity of your heart, call upon God, and I promise you that He will hear and answer you. So let's pray together. Start by simply whispering the name Jesus. Let there come uh, from your heart just the declaration of His name. Say, Jesus, I know that, that I am a sinner, that I have fallen short with you. I'm sorry for all of my sins. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you are God's Son. I believe that you are the Savior of the world. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. And I believe that you rose from the grave, that you are alive today. Now pray these words. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Give me a new start in you. I commit my life to you. In Jesus' name, If you've prayed with a pastor today and made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, we have some resources for you on our website. Just go to church-redeemer.org slash a new you. We pray that this message was a blessing to you.